time of year that we, we look forward to. And I, I'm all in this year. I don't know what it is. Like, I've kind of been a Scrooge in the past. Steve has my wife. But this year, I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. In fact, um, I, I, I don't hang lights, but this year, I actually went out and we bought those that project onto the house. And, like, I get credit for that, I think, in my mind. I know it's weak. I get it. But, but I'm all in. I mean, you know, as much as Scott can go in, I'm in. And I am, I, I just am excited about it. I don't know if it's the age of my kids. Uh, I don't know if it, I, I don't know what it is. But this year, I've been looking forward to, to Thanksgiving and now we're past it. Um, I, I'm just all in this year. And, uh, and what I want to do, what my hope is, my, my prayer is, is that over the next few weeks, uh, four weeks, four Sundays, um, we will uh, be ca- kind of anticipating, pushing towards and getting more and more excited as this buildup uh, of, of Christmas comes. Not because of the event itself, you know, with, the, with Santa Claus and the, the presents and all that. But no, that, that this long-expected Savior has, has arrived. And so my prayer is that over the next few weeks that you would you'd be excited. you go all in um, on, on, on this. So we're, we're going to take about four weeks uh, of Advent, this, the anticipation of, of a coming Savior. And look and look at that over the next the next few weeks. A few weeks ago, I was listening to a sermon by a guy. His name's Matt Chandler, and he shared a story. And as he shared the story, the more and more he told it, the more and more I kept saying, "I've, I've heard this story before." Like where where have I I've heard this story before? And so after he was done, he was actually sharing a story about a a, a guy who led a, a Bible study. Uh, it's actually a bigger bigger than a Bible study. It was a Kind of a movement on a college campus, and, and the leader of that of that movement, um, his his proposal story, or how he asked his wife to marry him, um, he was sharing that story. The leader's that leader story. His name's Dawson, and um, as he was sharing that story, I, I kept thinking, man, I've heard this. So I called, I actually called a friend. I said, man, where have I heard this story? He said, oh, I remember. Uh, he came to our church, our, our student ministry. We had uh, a weekend uh, retreat kind of thing. And uh, he was there, and he shared that story with us. And I thought, yes, that's right, that's it. So I'm going to share that story with you this morning. If you've heard it before, if you listened to him, um, it's coming from the same source. And I actually heard it from the original source. This is Dawson, uh, I was about to say his last name, uh, Dawson's uh, uh, story, how he, how he proposed to his wife. Dawson uh, got up one morning, what particular morning that he planned for Got in his car, drove her over to his girlfriend's house, picked her up in, in his car. They headed to the lake. When they got to the lake, got in a boat, and they rode around the lake for the morning for a little while. When it was about lunchtime, they pulled up to an island in the middle of the lake. Got out, got their picnic stuff out, got a blanket out, threw it on the ground. They had a picnic together. Afterwards, they got back in the boat, drove around a little bit longer, and then headed back to the shore where they had, had launched from. When they got back to the shore, they, uh, there was, there was a, 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 a limo, a limousine, waiting for them to pick them up. Now, his girlfriend, the girlfriend's going, okay, this is not your average day at the lake, all right? <laughs> kind of, you know, bells are going off. This is special. There's something coming. Probably know what it is, but let's just play this thing out, all right? So they get in a limo. The limo takes them to the airport. They get in a little private airplane, propeller airplane. They fly from Oklahoma to Arkansas. They land there at an airfield. 
they get in an old hoopty truck, like a bucket of bolts, rusted out. I mean, it's a, it's a junker. They get in that and they drive to the college campus there in town. When they get to the campus, they drive to um, the, the, the uh, chapel there on, on campus. Get inside, they walk inside, and when they walk inside, the chapel is decorated for a wedding. Like there's candles lining the, the rows, uh, you know, it's all, all decked out, ready for what looks like a wedding. But at the front, where the altar is, there's a, there's a huge card on an easel. So they walk down the aisle together, they get there, and she kind of looks at him, and he goes, go ahead and open it. So she gets there, you know, walks up, opens it, and then goes like, you know, sets it down and goes like this and turns around, and he already has the ring out, and on one knee, asking her to marry him. After they're done, after she says yes, just clarify that, um, <laughs> after she says yes, they head out to eat for dinner together. Just the two of them out to a restaurant there before they fly back home um, in, in that little airplane. When they're there, he proceeds to explain his proposal. He said, hey, I, here's, here's, I, I just want to explain what happened today. And my promise to you, here's my promise to you. This morning, I picked you up in my car. The car that, that my car just represents the regular rhythm and routine of life. And I promise to be by your side, to stand by you, to be by you in the regular rhythm of life. There's going to be just regular, the routine of life, and I promise to stand by you. And then we got on a boat. You remember that? Yeah, I remember that. Okay, um, that boat represents the fun that we're going to have together. And we're, we're going to have fun as a married couple, you know, as the years go on. We're going to have a lot of fun together. And I promise in those times of excitement, in those times of fun, to stand by, to be by your side. Then we got a limo. And that limo represents um, times in our lives when, when uh, somebody else is going to be in control. Like we're, gonna be, we're not going to have control over the direction of our life. Things are going to seemingly be spinning out of control. We're not going to be able to stop it. And I make this promise to you to stand by your side when life seemingly is out of control. When we don't have control over our destination. The airplane. The airplane represents our spiritual growth together. I promise to grow with you spiritually in the years to come. And the old truck? The old truck represents growing old together. I promise to grow old with you if the Lord allows me to live that long. Now, I feel like, guys, you need to apologize to your wife right now. Like, you're... you're, you're uh, proposal did not go like that. I, how do you come up with that? Like, where does that come from? Right? I mean, that is that is amazing. I, I just, all I have is a Christmas tree. Like, that's all, a, a nectar Christmas tree, that's all I got. Uh, and, and if you're single, you probably want to write that down. That's good. Like, uh, that, that's good stuff right there. That's YouTube worthy, I would say. You can bring that and put that on YouTube. Um, that's good stuff. Right? And her heart that evening, as he was sharing that story with her and those promises that he gave to her, her, her heart was filled. 
I mean, there's no doubt about it. She was getting excited about what the future held and the promise for him to walk with her all the days of her life, in the good times and in the bad, when other people are in charge in the regular rhythm of life, growing spiritually and growing old together. Her heart was undoubtedly full. But can you imagine the anger and the bitterness That would have undoubtedly been in her heart if he had not fulfilled that promise or those promises. I mean, even, even if he, at least if he had tried to, she could kind of, you know, acknowledge that. But if he just failed to even try, the bitterness and the anger would almost be impossible to articulate. I mean, after going all, going to all, I mean, where, do you even, where do you get an airplane from? I mean, where does that come from? I don't even know anybody with an airplane. And he found an airplane and flies all that effort and then does not even try to fulfill that promise to, to, to do what he claimed he was going to do. The bitterness and the anger would almost be impossible to articulate. Here's my point. Throughout the Bible, specifically the Old Testament, God makes some amazing, amazing promises. Some promises that are almost impossible to comprehend. When, when Dawson made those promises to his now wife or to his fiance, he didn't know what the future held. I mean, he didn't know what the future was, was, was going to look like for them. I mean, what percentage of their marriage was somebody else going to be in charge of? He didn't know the answer to that, and yet he still made the promise to, to be by her side. Growing old together, he didn't know what, look, what it was going to look like to grow old with her. He didn't know, he, he didn't know if, if growing old was going to look like it did for my grandparents when my granddad faithfully showed up. To the retirement home day after day after day. While Alzheimer's ate my grandma's mind away. And held her hand even though she didn't even know who he was. This young man did not know if that's what was in store for them. When he made the promise. Yet when God made his promise. His promises. He knew exactly what the future uh, held and made them anyway. And so over the next few weeks, that's what we're going to celebrate. That God is a promise maker and he is a promise keeper. And that's worth looking forward to. That's worth anticipating. That's worth celebrating. The long-expected Savior has arrived. At the beginning of the Bible, it opens up by God creating and creating perfectly, and it was good. And creating and creating perfectly, and it was good. And creating and creating perfectly, and it was good. But, but very, very quickly, just a couple chapters later, uh, everything breaks when you and I, the human race, joining with Adam and Eve, look at God and wag our finger at him and proclaim that we are a better sovereign than he is. 
and rebel against the God of the universe, the creator God. We have this under control. We are better at this sovereign thing than you are, God. And we wag our finger in accordance, along with Adam and Eve, in rebellion against the God of the universe. And because of his love, because of God's love for us, very, very quickly thereafter, he begins to orchestrate events to bring us back into relationship with him. About 2,000 years before Jesus ever shows up on the scene, God shows up to this man named Abram and makes a promise. And by faith, Abraham, or Abram, believes the promise. He believes that God will fulfill what he claimed to fulfill. And, and God grants him a right standing with himself because of that faith, because of that belief. Look at it in, in Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12, the very first promise is made. If you have your Bible, you might go there. It might be easier to do it on your phone because we're going to kind of work our way through the Old Testament as we get to the New Testament where the promise is fulfilled. But very, very quickly at the beginning of the Bible, just a few pages in, after we have wagged our finger at the sovereign king of the universe and said we're better at this than you, God orchestrates out of love for us, orchestrates events through promises, to bring us back into a right standing with himself. Here's the first promise that God made to Abraham. He says this in, in chapter 12, verse 1. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you, and I will make you of you a great nation. I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And here's the big one. And in you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. He didn't say he was going to be blessed by Abraham, no. But through Abraham, he would be a blessing to every corner of the globe. Every tribe, every nation, every skin color, every language would be a blessing through the lineage of Abraham. And so Abraham had a son. A son named Isaac. And Isaac had a son, a son named Jacob. Jacob had 12 sons. And those 12 sons uh, got married and they began a family. And those families each became their own individual tribe, making up the nation of Israel. Fast forward a little bit and those 12 tribes go into captivity there in, in Egypt. And God uses Moses to deliver all 12 tribes out of Egypt, And in doing so, actually gives us a glimpse, gives us a shadow, gives us a, 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 an example of what is to come. How the promise given to Abraham way before would be fulfilled. Giving us a picture, a glimpse, a shadow of what was to come. Fast forward a little bit and a man named Jesse is born. And Jesse would have a son named David who would become the second king of the nation of Israel. And uh, David would rise up and be what was called a warrior, who was known as a warrior king. He would be known as a warrior king because he would, he would fight and win the battles around all of the enemies surrounding Israel. And that would usher in the reign of David's son, King Solomon, who uh, ruled over and reigned over the, the golden age of the nation of Israel. There was peace unlike they had ever seen before. There was prosperity that was unrivaled in the nation of Israel in all the known world. 
It was literally the golden age of Israel. And if there was ever a time to bless all the nations through the line and the lineage of Abraham, it was under the rule of King Solomon. But Solomon came. And Solomon went. And the world was not blessed through Abraham. And after Solomon's reign, Israel's standing in the world declined, 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 to the point that it seemed as if the promise made to Abraham so many years ago could not possibly be fulfilled. But as God did throughout the Old Testament, he, he gave uh, shadows or remnants of what is to come, reminding his people that the promise would be fulfilled. In addition to that, God sent prophets reminding the people, yes, the promise made to Abraham will one day be fulfilled. God is the promise giver and he is the promise keeper. And you can trust that he will keep his promises. There's over 300 of them throughout the Old Testament. I just want to show you three. In, the, the, uh, in Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 7, one of the promises is, is given, reminding the people that God is the promise giver, but he also is the promise keeper. Even though it doesn't make sense, even though it doesn't seem as if he can keep his promises, he will. You can anticipate that one day all the peoples of the earth will be blessed through Abraham. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah in chapter 7, verse 14 and 15, says it like this. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel. He shall eat curds and honey. If my kids were in here, I'd, I'd say, no, 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 not cheese curds, like from Culver's. That, they love that stuff. No, this is, this is what Jesus, is, this is what poor people eat, curds and honey. He's going to eat curds and honey. When he knows how to refuse the evil and choose the good. Jump down to Isaiah 49. I will make you as a light for the nations. That my salvation may reach to the end of the earth. And the people heard it and said, how can this possibly be? How can he bless all the peoples of the, nation, of the world? All the nations through us. I mean, have you seen our standing our, our, our golden age has come and gone. How in the world can he possibly keep his promise to bless the world through Abraham? Malachi, the prophet Malachi, kind of reiterates uh, this, this aspect or, or this, this point that God is the promise giver, but he's also the promise keeper. That when God makes a promise, you can trust that he will fulfill it, that he will answer it. And so the Malachi kind of, uh, the prophet Malachi kind of jumps on this on this boat, uh, reiterating that God is the one who will keep His promises. In chapter one, verse one of Malachi, the last Old Testament book, Malachi says this: "From the rising of the sun to its setting, my name will be great among the nations, and in every place incense will be offered to my name, and a, uh, and a pure offering." For my name will be great among the nations, says the Lord of hosts. God keeps his promises. But right after Malachi declares this, that from the, the rising of the sun to the setting, you will be blessed through Abraham. Right after that is declared, God goes 
silent. For 400 years, there's no prophet, there's no word from God. He is silent. And it seems as if the promise giver has not fulfilled and will not fulfill the promise he made. But after 400 years of silence, God moves, and he moves in the most unexpected way. He moves when he sends an angel to have a conversation with a teenage girl named Mary. And the angel says this, Mary, you're going to bear a son, and he's going to be a king. But he's not going to just be any ordinary king. He's going to be a king whose kingdom has no end. His kingdom will go on forever and ever and ever and ever. And he is the one who's going to fulfill the promise that God made to Abraham so many years ago. You're going to bear him. He's going to be your son. Well, as you can imagine, when word gets to uh, Mary's fiance, a guy named Joseph, he is not real excited about this news. He doesn't believe it. And so the angel actually uh, goes to, to Joseph and says, hey, your fiance is going to have a baby. Actually, let's read it. In Matthew chapter 1, here's what the angel says to Joseph. Because the promise giver is now going to be a promise keeper. And he's going to use you, Joseph. He's going to use you, Mary, to fulfill that promise that he made over 2,000 years ago. Here's what the angel says to Joseph. But as he, concerned, uh, as he considered these things, that is, as Joseph considered that his fiance was pregnant, that he doesn't understand what's going on, as he's considering these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins." All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet so many years ago, the prophet Isaiah. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and you shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God is with us. And the promise giver became a promise keeper when Jesus showed up on the scene. And we hear, still hear stories of how every tribe and tongue and nation, from where the sun rises to where the sun sets, people being blessed because the Savior became one of us. You and I, as I mentioned before, join Adam and Eve in open rebellion against God, thinking we could do it better than ourselves. And now that takes many different forms. Some of us uh, do that by being rebellious, by thinking, you know, uh, I'm not going to keep the rules. Uh, I'm in charge. I'm the one that's over this thing. I got my life under control, and I'll do what I want to do. I answer to number one. I don't answer to anybody else. And some of us, uh, we, we respond to God that way. But others of us respond to God in a completely different way. We think that we can keep the rules and um, uh, do everything that, that we're supposed to do in an effort to please God. Kind of shaking our fist and saying, we got this under control. 
Jesus told the story about that uh, whenever he told the story about the prodigal son. The, old, the youngest son thought that he could uh, live life however he wanted. He didn't answer to anybody. The, the, the older son thought he could keep all the rules in an effort to, to please the father. But both of them missed the father altogether. Both of them missed Jesus altogether in the story. When Jesus showed up on the scene, he said, no, 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 to have a right standing with God, you have that through me. It's not by, by answering to number one, it's not by being rebellious, and it's definitely not by keeping the rules. You have a right standing by having faith in me, accepting the grace that's offered from the Father through me. That's where the promise is fulfilled. So this Christmas season, we're going to celebrate it. We're going to anticipate it. And my prayer is that every one of us will place our faith in it. Because the long-awaited Jesus has arrived. The promise giver became the promise keeper on that first Christmas morning. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your word this morning, and I do pray that we'll anticipate with excitement this season. Not the, not the season of gifts and, 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 and not, even, not even the season of family, although that's a very good thing. Father, I pray that this would be an exciting time because you have arrived. And for those who will place our trust in you and the work that you did while you were here on the, on the earth, when you died, were buried, and rose again. For those of us that will place our faith in that, in you and your work, we can experience a right standing with you. That's worth being excited about. That's worth celebrating. That's worth anticipating. In Jesus' name we pray.